Good morning. How are you? Hey, Katrina. Good morning to you as well. I'm great. Thank you. Great. Uh, um, we will start in around six minutes or so. So. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. believe so. Uh, yeah. And now I see that uh, it's available in Google Drive. You put the PDF. Uh, yeah. I, I was writing an email to you because I couldn't find it previously, but it's perfect. Great. Uh, I'm glad that it's working. And um, yeah, I can hear you well on everything. So that's good, too. Mm -hmm. OK, so, great. Yeah, I'll share in really quick. I'll mute myself because I will share on Twitter and so on that we are starting. Mm -hmm. okay. So people know that we're starting. Sure. Welcome everyone. Um, nope, I tried to invite you up. Uh, I don't know if, yeah, there you go. How are you today? Uh, thank you, Katrina. Uh, awaiting the room. Thank you. Great. Yeah, we'll start in around four minutes. So uh, if everyone thinks this is something interesting to share, feel free to share the room with uh, friends or people colleagues and we'll start in yeah four minutes thank you
Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, we'll start in around one minute. Um, feel free to start checking out the presentation that we will be discussing today and um, yeah, or share the room uh, with people you think that might be interested in this. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to discuss this. So, and of course, a special thanks to Arpa who was so generous to 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 come here today. <laughs> it is my pleasure to be invited. Thank you. Okay. How how's the the weather where you are here today? It's nice. It was raining in New York for a bunch of days, but today it's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's in the afternoon. It's it's nice weather here. I, I'm from Budapest, Hungary, so it's, it's far away from New York. Yeah. Uh, when the rain and it was getting cold, I was already thinking of all the months that I'll have to <laughs> be here in the bad weather <laughs> and figuring out how to escape. <laughs> no. Be you know, in, in, in Europe, we have an energy crisis, so maybe the whole winter will be very cold. Yes, yes, At I know. At least in the rooms. <laughs> yeah, my my parents live in Germany and my brothers, uh, but uh, also my family is from Germany and Portugal. So in Portugal, probably will be fine. Yeah, weather is relatively nice. <laughs> yeah. And that they are also not exposed to, to Russian oil as much as we do. Yeah, so in Porto, where I'm from, it's in the north, it gets a little bit cold and very humid. Uh, so it's like this this cold that gets in your bones. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the houses are of granite stone, so it's really humid and cold. But um, usually people have like fireplaces or this um ovens this yeah that's cozy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i think we can we can start um so welcome everyone to science society and a special welcome uh to um our pads um today and before we start let me give you a short introduction so um, you get to know him a little bit. Um, so um, Arpad Dobolyi uh, received his university degree in chemistry at the Iadvos University Budapest, Hungary. And he obtained then his PhD at the Semmelweis uh, Medical University in Budapest in uh, cellular and molecular physiology. And um, he then became a postdoc of uh, Dr. Ted um, Ustin at the National Institute of Mental Health um, in Betzda. And he returned to Hungary in 2005 as a Marie Curie Fellow. Uh, and he worked in um, the lab of Professor Miklos Palkowicz. And um, then he since 2007, he is a, a research associate professor at the Semmelweis University 
and in 2017 he became a full professor and the, and in 2018 the head of the department of physiology and neurobiology at the Eötvös University um, he supervised um, uh, 10 um, postgraduate fellows and he obtained um, and they all obtained the, <clears throat> their PhD degree and four postdoctoral fellows and um, his current research um, he's mostly interested at the neural mechanisms controlling social behaviors and um, he has a really um, high age index too so it's an honor having you here uh, that you took you know the time out of your busy life to come here and talk with us and usually before we start we ask a couple of interview questions to get to know you a little bit better so was it always something you wanted to do uh, to become a scientist or was it something that came later on or maybe a class you took or a book you read um, how did you choose this life yeah well thank you very much for the for the nice introduction um yeah, as for the question uh, uh, yes it was an easy decision for me because i i, I always uh, wanted to be a scientist uh, what what was difficult uh, which what, what kind of science i'm, I'm really interested in um, so I, in, in high school i i was mostly focusing on physics and uh, chemistry as you heard even my uh, my university degree is is uh, is chemistry after all, and I took many courses in biology, of course, and uh, physics. But but finally, I realized that that neuroscience is the one I am really interested in. Um, so so within neuroscience, I I also had different uh, ways. Uh, uh, during my PhD, I did uh, neurochemistry, and then at NIH, molecular biology then a lot of histology and really when I just started my own lab that's when that's when behavioral aspects came in and uh, and social behavior um, is, is indeed uh, my, my recent interest and I would say my current decision uh, so so that's that that uh, early on you know during high school I, I was already uh, you know, I decided to become a scientist. I, I, I went to a special school for natural sciences education and uh, and somehow I, I don't remember. Before being wanted to be a scientist at a very young age, I wanted to be a soccer player, of course. Well, like every European yeah, like every European boy. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, and and, and when, uh, when my teacher asked me, boy, that's not a profession, say something else, then I wanted to, then I, a trainer, you know, a soccer trainer. Uh, but that was early on and then science came in. Well, a trainer, probably you can use a lot of your research to, to make a proper training behavior plan for people maybe yeah, that's <laughs> so maybe right. in the future maybe scientists will become trainers um, yeah, so. yeah it's, it's at some point when when you go on with your profession and young people join the laboratory it's it's indeed a similar activity 
Um, yeah, and you touched a little bit upon how you also then chose this field um, of research. It's interesting how you transitioned from physics to uh, neuroscience and behavior. Um, so is was that a curiosity of yours? Like, how do people behave? You know, because you first started with physics and and um, the second question is maybe how this project came about um, then out of that curiosity, maybe. Uh, yeah, at, 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 at some point, I just felt it's really the most exciting uh, thing to, to learn how, how we, we human uh, work, how we function. Uh, so at, at that point, it, it, it some suddenly became obvious that's what I'm interested in. Uh, I mean, you know, you being a scientist, you are really lots of freedom. So that 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 no matter no matter what you do, uh, it, it's uh, you know I, I come in work in the morning and uh, I can do what uh, what what I want to more or less. Well, I have to uh, duties, but uh, but so that, that that that's for science and and somehow neuroscience. Uh, somehow it was it was obvious and and then uh, when when social neuroscience came in i did too much uh, molecular stuff and and histology and i just felt they are too far away from you know from from exciting uh, things about about us and then that's how social uh, uh, social behavior came in uh, also in my talk i will tell a, a little more detail about how molecular discoveries led uh, to to actual behavioral studies um, so that it, it was not like a forced out uh, thing from my part but um, uh, but also it was kind of, I, I feel it was a natural uh, development of of the science uh, as I built it up gradually interesting uh, and you know for physiology you need a lot of physics so it's uh it's like... yeah that was useful yeah during, yeah. <laughs> during my studies and later on as well uh, that that's uh, that's that's right that's right so, you, you know yeah, after all different parts of science are always connected if you can understand the connection so that's somehow it's also true but but it also requires some kind of boldness to to enter into a new field like like you know when to start doing behavior when your education was really not behavior uh that that that's a, you know big decision because it could lead to failure but uh i i, I seem to be lucky so far at least at least my students can do it very well so it's great yeah knowledge. i'm i'm glad you did and i yeah i kind of feel it's maybe more and more important to like not be a very specialist but that's a whole other discussion <laughs> you yeah. know AI coming up maybe we need to be more general than we were in between so but yeah the stage is yours for your presentation um please everyone um click on the link that's pinned on top of the room there's um our uh, presentation to follow along and the stage is yours. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, and I welcome everyone who, uh, who, who showed up to listen uh, to this talk.
the title is uh, uh, Talamo Preoptic Pathway Promoting Social Contact Behavior. So preoptic area is uh, the anterior part of the hypothalamus. Uh, in that sense, it is a fairly rare thalamo-hypothalamic pathway. There are not too much connection between these two diencephalic structures. Um, uh, anyway, uh, my uh, university is shown up uh, upper right corner. It's very nicely uh, located. And the paper uh, why I was invited here recently appeared in, in current biology, and the first author was uh, uh, David Keller, who's actually a, a medical doctor doing a PhD in my lab. So if, um, uh, if, if you go uh, to the, the second slide, the story, uh, it will not be a very long introduction, but still it started 20 years ago uh, when, uh, when, when Ted Asdin at NIH discovered the novel neuropeptide. That's uh, parathyroid hormone 2. That time we called it tuberulin fundibular peptide 39. Uh, he purified it as a peptide from the hypothalamus as the ligand of the parathyroid hormone 2 receptor. So that's when I joined the, the lab and, uh, and described that PTH2 is coded by a single gene which does not code any other peptide. I also showed that PTH2 neuropeptide is expressed in the posterior intralaminar thalamic nucleus. That's, a, that's not very well-known uh, thalamic nucleus. It's shown on the right. Uh, here you can see this uh, bluish color are PTH2 uh, neurons, and the nucleus itself is located ventromedial to the medial geniculate body and just lateral to the white matter of the medial lemniscus above the substantia nigra. Uh, later on, uh, we showed that this peptide is induced in mothers who are uh, taking care of their pups. So the third slide, shows uh, the peptide, the mRNA level of the peptide, uh, upper panel and the lower panels, the peptide level, which is very low in control females, high in mothers. But if we take away the pups from the mother, it, it becomes low uh, again. So based on these expressional data, uh, we did lots of functional studies on the maternal function of this peptide, uh, including one example, which is uh, shown here which demonstrated that the preoptic area uh, parathyroid hormone 2 increases maternal motivation. So this is a, a pup-induced place preference. Um, if a, a mother used to be together with the pups in, a, in, a, in one cage, and later on she has the option to choose between two cages, uh, she will stay more in the cage, even if the pups are not there, she will stay more there. That's a pup-induced preference. And, uh, and a, a PTH2, parathyroid hormone 2 receptor antagonist, can uh, eliminate this aspect of maternal motivation. Uh, it was recently, uh, two years ago, uh, when another group in Germany published that parathyroid hormone 2 is induced in a zebrafish if the zebrafish is kept socially. So 
that means in isolated uh, uh, zebrafish, the level is very low, but when many fish are close to each other, this peptide is induced. And when they are separated again, it goes back to, to low level. Uh, on the left, uh, this is now slide number five. On the left, you can see isolated zebrafish brain and the lower panel uh, social left uh, peptide level, right mRNA level. The position of that was actually corresponding to the posterior interlaminar thalamic nucleus. Um, and this, this research group also established that it's a mechanical input which induces the peptide through the lateral organ, which feels the vibration of water elicited by other uh, zebrafish. So we, we, after that, we became interested in adult social uh, interactions. And uh, first we looked at the activation of the posterior interlaminar thalamic nucleus or PIL in, in social situations. Um, here uh, on slide six, you can see these black dots. These are CFOS positive neurons. So this is a technique which can histologically visualize the, the active neurons. Uh, on the left, uh, this is a, a female which, uh, uh, which was in contact with another female. And on the right uh, is a control without reunion. If they were reunited, but they were separated physically with, uh, with a cage or, or mesh, then, then induction was not found. Uh, based on that, we formed the hypothesis that these pure neurons uh, somehow control uh, social contact uh, behaviors or some aspects of social behavior. To, to functionally um, address that, we had to choose some sort of behavior. There are different types of direct social contact behaviors as shown in slide number seven. Uh, some of them are reproductive, like nursing or, uh, or copulation, sexual behaviors, could be aggressive, but there are also positive valence behaviors, uh, such as uh, social grooming. Uh, in a monkey group, is shown on the right, uh, social grooming is important to keep together the, the group in this uh, species. So, uh, in the first experiments I speak about, we and presented in the paper, uh, it's always friendly interaction between adult female rats was, uh, uh, was examined. Uh, now we started uh, uh, other type of behaviors as well. Uh, to functionally address um, the role of these neurons, we use the chemogenetics, so uh, stimulatory inhibitory and control virus was injected into the area of the pill. That's uh, slide number eight, uh, what I speak about now. Uh, on the right, uh, you can see the uh, position of an in injection uh, site where uh, M-cherry, the fluorescent protein, is visualized um, here with VAB immunolabeling. Um, 
the experiment was done that the operation, the injection of the virus takes place. We have we have to wait about two weeks while the animals recover and the virus expresses uh, the simulatory dread receptors. These are artificial receptors with which we can stimulate the infected cells. Um, and uh, and the social behavioral experiment uh, is is done uh, in a way that that the animals are separated. Uh, just for an hour to increase subsequent activity, and then uh, they are videotyped for uh, 10 minutes. Um, next slide shows a validation of the of our chemogenetics uh, with the stimulatory virus. Uh, we we injected the CNO uh, close up in N-oxide to stimulate the, the the receptor, and then we found CFOS activation in 90% uh, of the neurons expressing the stimulatory dread receptor. So that demonstrated that indeed these, these cells are, are stimulated uh, in the experimental situation. Uh, during the, uh, the, the 10 minutes uh, direct social uh, behavior, when they were placed in the same arena, two animals, so again, two uh, female animals. Uh, uh, slide uh, number 10 shows the six different elements of social behavior, which we, uh, which we looked at. Uh, one of them uh, is so energinator sniffing, non-energinator sniffing, chasing, social grooming. Social grooming means uh, when the forelimbs of one of the animals touches the uh, body surface of the other, then mounting and uh, passive uh, social interaction, kind of side-to-side -side, uh, uh, contact. So here, uh, next uh, slide, uh, 11, uh, you can see the results. Uh, the first column is always a control injection, and the third column is also a control injection, like three or four days later. But here, the yellow column is the CNO injection when the receptor is activated, either stimulating the cells or inhibiting them. This shows the effect of stimulation. Uh, as, as you can see, social grooming uh, was the specific social behavior which was increased. Uh, Non-energinator sniffing had a, had a tendency of reduction, but as you will see, it always uh, happened uh, in subsequent days. So social grooming was specifically affected by these uh, neurons. Uh, on, the, on the right, you can see social grooming in a way that same animal data are connected uh, with each other so that you can see um, the result of individual animals. When uh, inhibition was applied, uh, social grooming change the opposite uh, direction. So there was a reduction in the amount of social, be of social grooming these rats uh, exhibited. Uh, and, and we also uh, applied the control uh, virus where CNO injection uh, was without effect. Uh, this is slide 13. Slide uh, 14 uh, shows some control experiments. You know, we were just generally interested if these uh, if these animals are okay. Uh, for example, this is an open field uh, test where the total distance is shown 
which was not affected uh, by either stimulation, inhibition, or control, uh, suggesting that the locomotor activity is not affected. Uh, similarly, their anxiety level was also not uh, changed, for example. Uh, next experiment, we decided to investigate not all the neurons of the pill, but only those neurons which were previously activated by social interaction. So these socially tagged neurons uh, were, were made to express Cri uh, recombinase uh, using uh, a widely induced uh, Wigate teton system. Uh, now, this is uh, slide uh, 15. Uh, this uh, Wigate system was previously published uh, uh, in, in, in Neuron uh, by my collaboration partner Valery Grinevich at uh, uh, Heidelberg University. Um, so in, in this case, uh, an antibiotics, doxy, doxycycline, opens a time window during which social, introduction, social interaction takes place between the animals, which expresses combinase in those neurons active in that situation. And later on, uh, dependent uh, expression of the dread, uh, either stimulatory or inhibitory or control, is performed as uh, you can see in the uh, lower right panel of slide uh, 15. Uh, the next slide, 16, shows the results of these socially tagged neurons. Upper line, you can see the effect of stimulating the previously so stimulating those neurons in the pill which were previously active in social situation, and you can see an increase in the amount of social grooming behavior, but no change um, in, in most uh, other. Uh, uh, again, non-genital sniffing always shows this reduction. So inhibition uh, of uh, these neurons led to a decrease of uh, social grooming behavior. And again, next to the column table, you can see individual uh, animal data connected with each other in the control day, the CNO day, performed one day later and the second control day to, to check if the, uh, if the amount of behavior goes back to baseline level. Uh, when no contact was allowed between the animals, that's shown on the right of slide 16, so separated uh, with, with a cage, then uh, the amount of time spent around the other animal was not affected by either stimulation or inhibition. Uh, of uh, socially tagged pill neurons. Okay, so now this uh, established uh, um, uh, the function of, of the neurons uh, of the pill, this uh, posterior interlaminar thalamic nucleus, but we also wanted to look at where do these cells project. So we injected uh, an anterograde tracer, biotimulated dextran amine, into the nucleus. Uh, Slide 17, upper right panel, you see the injection site, and upper panel in the middle, you see the summary. As for the cerebral cortex, only the medial prefrontal cortex, mostly the indic cortex, uh, 
was an area where these cells project. So considering that uh, they are uh, they are a thalamic uh, nucleus, it's uh, it's not uh, uh, some cortical projection, but stronger projections were sent to the lateral septum. Also, third panel in the middle, medial preoptic area. Uh, here you can see the third ventricle uh, on, on the right of this panel, uh, optic tract and uh, uh, high density of uh, anterior labeled fibers in the medial preoptic area. Uh, paraventricular hypothalamic nucleus had some fibers, medial amygdala uh, had strong labeling, dorsomedial hypothalamic nucleus, periaqueductal gray, the lateral parabrachia nucleus. So that's the projection pattern of these neurons. We investigated next which of these target area of the pill is activated in response to social interaction with, with an other animal. And in fact, uh, uh, all of them showed uh, some uh, activation. Uh, what I'm telling you is a slide 18. However, when the two animals were separated physically so that you know direct physical contact is not allowed, then the activity level in most of these brain area decreased, but there was one area, the medial preoptic area, where there was no activation at all when the animals were not allowed to directly interact with each other and thereby exerting somatosensory uh, stimulation of each other, kind of social somatosensory stimulation by direct contact. Um, that's why we decided to specially investigate the function of this pathway from the pill to the preoptic area of the hypothalamus. Functional investigation of the pathway uh, took place in two different ways. First, we injected retrogradely spreading virus. This is now slide 19. Uh, so we injected this uh, virus into the medial preoptic area. Uh, this spread retrogradely uh, all the way back to the near to the cell bodies of these cells into the posterior interlaminar thalamic nucleus and possibly other brain regions as well. However, a second virus, uh, a credependent virus, um, this DO is the double inverted operating frame, uh, which is makes it credependent expression. It was injected into the pill, so it's a double viral injection. Um, and uh, when, uh, when these cells of the pill projecting to the preoptic area were, um, were inhibited, then as you can see on the right, the amount of social grooming behavior was markedly uh, reduced. The um, second approach to investigate the function of the pill preoptic pathway was that injection that the that the injection of the ligand, the artificial ligand of the dread receptor, was not injected intraperitoneally, that means systemically, 
but rather directly into the medial preoptic area, and uh, thereby other projections from the pill, which are not in contact with CNO, are, are not um, uh, activated or stimulated. So in response to local injection of CNO into the medial preoptic area, using uh, stimulatory um, uh, receptors, uh, now this is slide 20, there was an increase in the amount of uh, social grooming behavior. So the conclusion uh, of these uh, studies uh, is that the pill preoptic area pathway controls social grooming behavior in the rat. Uh, as, as, as a summary of, of our findings from uh, uh, so far, is that that social contact activates a number of neurons uh, in the pill. Chemogenetic stimulation of these uh, neurons increases uh, friendly social contact, while inhibition has the opposite effect. Uh, the target areas uh, of the pill show CFOS activation in response to social interaction, uh, especially the preoptic area, which is not activated unless direct interaction is allowed and the stimulation of the pathway itself the pill preoptic pathway leads to increased friendly social contact which is the uh, the grooming behavior uh, but we had another uh, question what is the role of the neuropeptide parathyroid hormone 2 in the functionally characterized telomere preoptic pathway so we did uh, additional uh, studies using um, uh, uh, real-time PCR. We demonstrated, this is now slide 22, we demonstrated that uh, the expression level of the neuropeptide is increased if the rats are not kept isolated, but they are kept together with, um, with uh, other conspecifics. So uh, uh, in, in, in that sense, we kind of uh, found the same thing as was previously reported in the zebrafish, um, and actually a similar finding which was found in mothers uh, when their pups were present. Um, in next, we investigated PTH2 uh, peptide in the preoptic area. Are they present? in those terminals? Um, the answer is yes. Here, uh, slide 23, uh, green shows the PTH2 containing fiber terminals and the retrograde uh, tracer, cholerotoxin beta subunit or CTB was injected here. Then we found uh, uh, lots of double labeled cells in the uh, pill, suggesting that uh, the origin of these uh, PTH2 fibers on the, in the preoptic area is the posterior interlaminar thalamic nucleus. Is the receptor of PTH2 present in the preoptic area? Uh, actually, we already previously described the distribution of uh, PTH2 receptor um, using a transgenic approach, and uh, indeed the receptor of, um, of PTH2 
neuropeptide, the PTH2 receptor is present in the preoptic area in a distribution similar to the distribution of PTH2 containing uh, neuronal terminals. Uh, next, uh, shown in slide 25, we demonstrated that PTH2 receptor expressing neurons are CFOS activated in response to social interaction. So on the on the left, um, uh, the red color is the PTH2 receptor. This is a, a transgenic animal uh, crossing the PTH2 receptor Cree animal with a reporter uh, mice, and these uh, uh, and and the, the red is CFOS, and these these um, greenish dots uh, on on top of the CFOS indicates double labeled cells, which is shown by the white arrowheads. Uh, and indeed, um, the number of double labeled cells increases in response to uh, social exposure. Uh, most importantly, as far as function of the PTH2 neuropeptide in the preoptic area, an antagonist of the receptor was injected into uh, these um, these rats into the lateral ventricle uh, of the rats and uh, the behavioral effect of pth2 receptor antagonists were investigated the same social behavioral elements were evaluated as previously and uh, as you can see on slide 26 um, uh, on the right uh, social grooming uh, behavior was significantly reduced in response to PTH2 receptor antagonist uh, injection as opposed to a vehicle uh, uh, ACSF artic artificial cerebrospinal fluid injection. So the conclusion is that not only the thalamo-preoptic pathway, but its neuropeptide uh, neurotransmitter PTH2 also contributes to social grooming behavior. Uh, what, what could be the target of, of PTH2 uh, containing terminals in the preoptic area? That's what uh, we addressed in the next experiment uh, shown on uh, slide 27. This is actually uh, not in, in this uh, now published paper, but it was uh, done previously. Uh, the targets are actually GABAergic uh, neurons. Uh, the, the, uh, in the middle panel, uh, this, they are green color. Vesicular GABA transporter Cree animals were mated with the reporter mice to make GABAergic cell bodies visible, um, which, um, which uh, express CFOS. So the CFOS cells, which are activated in response to social interaction, are almost all uh, inhibitory GABAergic uh, neurons. And on the left, you can see that the CFOS-expressing uh, cells are surrounded by a PTH2 containing uh, uh, fiber terminals. In fact, the subset of GABAergic neuron in this area are the galanin uh, neurons. It's a neuropeptide, and the double uh, labeling with parathyroid hormone 2 and galanin uh, in a correlated light and electron microscopic uh, study 
demonstrated the presence of synapses. Uh, on the right, uh, you can see electromicroscopically a synapse based on the presence of synaptic vesicles, synaptic densities, and so on. Um, and uh, uh, so there is a, a direct uh, real synaptic contact between the terminals and these neurons. Does PTH2 neuropeptide affect these uh, cells? Uh, it was directly investigated by patch clamp electrophysiology using preoptic uh, slices. Um, uh, in a uh, whole cell patch clamp was done, and the peptide was just injected on top of the uh, on top of the the cell um, we recorded. Uh, there was a concentration dependent increase in the frequency of the firing rate of uh, of GABAergic cells. So these were all GABAergic neurons. If an antagonist, the PTH2 receptor antagonist, was injected right before the neuropeptide, as you can see on you know, slide 28, uh, left lower panel, then the antagonist kind of prevented the excitatory action of parathyroid hormone 2 neuropeptide. Uh, we, we really don't know what is then the function of these GABAergic neurons uh, in, in, uh, in social behavior in the preoptic area. We did a previous study examining their function in maternal uh, behavior, uh, and that's what uh, is shown in uh, slide 29. Uh, when uh, in when uh, excite the stimulation of these GABAergic neurons uh, increases maternal care and maternal motivation uh, inhibition reduces uh, maternal motivation. So slide thirty uh, shows a kind of summary. Uh, there is a, an ascending uh, pathway from the uh, uh, spinal cord from sensory input from nipples in mothers or body surface uh, in adult situation, which uh, uh, excites PTH2 uh, neurons in the pill, which in turn projects to the preoptic area, including galony neurons there, uh, to promote social grooming maternal motivation. It actually, I didn't show data, but it also project to the oxytocin neurons in the PVN. And there are other projections, amygdala lateral septum, medial prefrontal cortex, whose function is unknown at present. The next question was if this pathway is present in the human brain or not. So slide 31 shows the uh, shows human uh, brain. The, the drawing on the left uh, there is a framed area which is shown in the middle panel, which is a initial staining, and the uh, the peel is indicated by black dots. The border of the peel indicated by black dots here, and uh, on the right panel, this is a Luxor uh, fast blue staining, uh, which which labels um, myelinated fibers. So the medial lemniscus is uh, immediately 
lateral to the pill in the human, just as it was in the rat. Uh, for some neurochemical characterization of these uh, pill neurons, uh, this is a rat study. We double-labeled it with carbindin and uh, established that most of uh, the PTH neurons are carbindin positive, but we also demonstrated that the carbindin cells are not gobergic. That means uh, these are uh, the, the PTH2 cells, which are carbindin neurons in the pill, are uh, excitatory. In studies I do not show here, we demonstrated the presence of glutamate in them, uh, by the way. Um, here, the carbindin immunostaining is shown in the human brain. Uh, the, the area, the panel in the middle shows carbindin immunostaining. The framed area is shown on the right, which uh, where you can see individually labeled uh, neurons within the pill, but not outside of the pill. And finally, the PTH2 receptor was demonstrated to be present in the human medial preoptic area, as shown in slide uh, 34. Um, drawing on the left, low magnification picture in the middle, and higher magnifications on the right. Uh, lower panel on the right shows immunolabeled uh, cells. Uh, finally, the last experiment I show you is about the inputs to the pill. We injected retrograde tracer, coleratoxin beta subunit, to an area identified by the presence of PTH2 neurons. We identified on retrograde labeled cell bodies in different levels of the spinal cord, also several neurons in the cuneate and gracile nuclei, but also in the external cortex of the inferior colliculus and the hypothalamic ventromedial nucleus, as shown on slide 35. Uh, so in, uh, in, in summary, as the last figure, I show you the standard textbook pathway, which delivers tactile information, mechanical input on the surface of the skin towards the primary somatosensory cortex, so this is the dorsal column medial lemniscal pathway, which uh, relays in the ventral, post ventral posterior lateral thalamic nuclei, VPL. Uh, our data suggest that there are collaterals terminating in pill, and specifically social information may be mediated by the pill as well, projecting to other brain, brain area, including the preoptic area, and because this pathway, shown in blue on slide 36, bypasses the cortex, this uh, information does probably will not become conscious. So um, it, it affects uh, our uh, instinctive behaviors without, um, uh, without being, um, uh, becoming conscious in the cerebral cortical processing. And finally, I would like to acknowledge uh, all my people in the laboratory, uh, postdocs and PhD students, collaborators and uh, support as well. And uh, thank you very much for your attention. And uh, 
if if you have questions i'm very happy to try to answer them thank you very much well thank you for sharing this um this really amazing story of um of research and social behavior it's it's really um it was it's so much of work and um you covered really all different aspects um of the story so so it's really wonderful work so thank you for sharing it with us and um yeah the question that probably you got probably asked a lot of times is are you thinking of uh looking at um differences maybe of uh, human tissue you know post-mortem if in people with autism or other you know social behavior uh, differences um show like less expression or maybe less neurons um of the social behavior uh, pathway thank you uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, the human aspect, uh, uh, the, the human consequences of, of these results is, uh, is indeed, indeed huge. There are many neuropsychological disorders where, where, where social um, behavior is affected. And indeed, um, um, autism uh, is... Um, uh, it has different forms, but still, physical contact is is often um, not not uh, well. It's affected uh, for those uh, people. Uh, certainly, these these data could have uh, implications uh, there, and I hope it will be investigated. As far as investigating postmortem tissue, uh, we are. We are trying to to get postmortem brains, uh, but it's it's not very easy at all uh, to get uh, um, you know postmortem sample. Um, and uh, uh, even though I'm I'm uh, in Budapest, there is a, a brain bank with which I'm connected. Uh, in that particular brain bank, we do not have uh, appropriate um, uh, postmortem brains. Um, so, so I hope it it will be done by someone who has proper access uh, to the uh, postmortem tissue. Uh, as far as additional uh, approach uh, could be uh, some sort of pharmacological approaches, and I'm really hoping that pharmaceutical companies will be interested in the PTH2 receptor and try to try to develop uh, small molecules. Uh, acting uh, through this receptor but but as as you may know uh, neuropeptide receptors are not an easy target as far as uh, small molecules yes definitely um so would it did you um you know uh, did you maybe see differences probably not there's probably no genetic is there a genetic background may be difference of um, levels of expression that one could detect, you know, and in tissue collected, probably yeah. in the in the brain itself, but ideally it would be a general, more general. Yeah, yeah we, we actually just started to investigate uh, models, uh, animal models 
of uh, of autism spectrum disorder. There are uh, indeed uh, genetic models uh, where some you know the lack of of some uh, protein makes uh, makes these these animals good candidate as as being um, a model of this disorder. In addition, there is the the pharmacological. Uh, it's also possible to, to pharmacologically induce that kind of properties. So right now, um, we we are we are looking at those uh, models whether this pathway or or the peptide or, or any component of the system may be affected uh, or or not. Uh, but right now, I I, I don't do not have data to present on that. Yeah, and one last question before, you know, everyone else gets the turn. So the GABAergic um, cells are, are involved too. So did you um, maybe try to give neuromodulators or agonists or that uh, would activate those GABAergic cells and would that lead to you know and um, you know increased grooming behavior social behavior uh, uh, yes um, uh, that's a good question what, what we are trying to do is uh, kind of repeating the the chemogenetic study on the preoptic gabergic neurons which I uh, showed as far as uh, maternal behavior but repeating that, to investigate uh, adult social behavior. Uh, as far as pharmacology on GABA receptors, uh, they, they really um, are all over the, the brain. So there may be some local injection, but, but even if we locally inject, these, these GABAergic neurons in the preoptic area are actually, many of them, most of them, I would say, are projection neurons. Uh, so, they act in many different brain sites where they project, um, and 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 the pharmacological treatment of based on GABA receptors, where there are so many drugs on on anxiety and and other uh, which act on GABA receptors. Of course, anxiety is is a critical issue as far as social behavior because whenever the animals are not uh, relaxed, uh, uh, they uh, they reduce uh, significantly reduce social behavior. So certainly the two systems are connected, but it's not easy to specifically investigate these the function of these gabaergic neurons in the preoptic area uh, with with gabaergic uh, pharmacological tools. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a very um, you know, it's a broadly. I was just thinking for post um apart from depression, if we would find a cute, you know, drug, even if be larger scale, if it would enable for those um, neurons to express more of that protein, then, you know, maybe would, uh, it would maybe solve something. But yeah, I agree. It's, it's very large scale. And then last, I, I said last question, but one is, do you did you see any immune system component that kind of or are you planning to look for 
immune system component that module that could modulate the circuitry just because there was this paper in nature from 2016 where they saw an unexpected role the title is unexpected role of interferon gamma in regulating neural connectivity and social behavior and i was really puzzled when that paper came out and when i read your work it kind of uh, reminded me again of that paper if there could be maybe um yeah immune system component that could modulate this uh circuitry it's it's it's, it's absolutely possible uh, that it does um our approach is uh, where uh, chemogenetics which is which is not a molecular level investigation but rather network uh, level uh, uh, in addition, uh, as far as molecules, we, we focused on the neuropeptide. Um, so so that that approach uh, clearly leaves open the any possibility of uh, of being affected by by neuroactive substances, including cytokines, uh, uh, in the preoptic area. So it's it's absolutely possible. Um, uh, indeed, we are actually started to do um, RNA sequencing in the preoptic area, comparing um, uh, socially isolated and uh, and group housed animals. But but we have no no data yet, so I don't have molecular information. But absolutely possible that uh, that the two systems are affecting each other. Very interesting. Thank you. Uh, Frank, Joyce, Nob, did you have questions? Or anyone in the audience, please raise your hand if you have a question. Thank you. Yeah, um, this is Frank. Thank you very much, Arpad, for this uh, amazing study and the presentation. I just wanted to kind of uh, clear the exact um, setup in on slide 5, 7, and 10, where you kind of... Uh, relate certain um, the, uh, the behaviors to each other in the setup. And I, um, I didn't um, quite well understand why this PTH2 is higher on the slide five on the isolated plus uh, the short social interaction. And uh, then I wanted to know this, where's the, the difference in, in, in with this PTH2 with um, with the social grooming and vice versa, this aggressive fighting. What's the difference there? I mean, uh, an aggressive fighting situation like like it is um, um, pictured there. I mean, it, it is a it is a social interaction at least. So I just want to be very clear to understand to understand what is in the setup and what did you find with with that? Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the question. So, uh, so slide five shows uh, a, a, a previous data by another research group uh, in in zebrafish. Um, that 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 was like the first um, data that, uh, that 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 the PTH two could be involved in uh, somehow in social interaction of animals. Uh, here they showed that that the level of PTH two is low when fish is isolated. But even a short social interaction 
induces, that means short uh, in time, so a brief interaction uh, in you already uh, induces uh, uh, PTH2 levels. And when the animals are kept uh, socially, that means many fish together in the same tank, but we will isolate them, then a short uh, isolation will lead to the reduction of the of PTH2. Uh, so that that was their finding uh, in, uh, in in the zebrafish. And when we demonstrated later on uh, that that uh, PTH2 level is also uh, induced in the pill. Um, in uh, in red, uh, we just it was a simple experiment isolated for one week or kept together uh, constantly, and uh, and that's what they were compared. So the conclusion from that can not be more than than what the experiment was about. Not a very good uh, time resolution uh, what we did. Uh, so then um, uh, slide uh, seven. Uh, it was it was uh, an introductory uh, slide to to tell you what kind of um, uh, social behaviors include direct interaction uh, and uh, reproduction aggressive both in, indeed but the experiment we did so far was only one of them that was a positive valence interaction between friendly female animals most of, most of the time they were actual siblings uh, growing up together separated briefly before the experiment so that they are more interested in each other when they uh, when they are returned um, uh, to the cage um, but uh, i believe investigating the function of this uh, thalamopleoptic pathway in uh, aggressive behaviors like using male rats, uh, for example, defending its cage uh, against an intruder, that, that's a suitable model uh, to investigate aggressive behavior or reproductive behavior, uh, uh, such as uh, sexual behavior between, uh, uh, you know, male and female uh, rats uh, and manipulating this uh, pathway. Uh, I believe it's it's a realistic that, that the pathway does play a role uh, in, in aggressive behavior or, uh, or or sexual behavior, and it's certainly something um, uh, we will look at in the future. Amazing. So, last question uh, from my side: um, Do you think there's any effect um, of? Uh, families uh, onto this so is there is is there do you think that there's a difference if you know um let's say father and daughter right or the grandparents and and grandchildren uh that uh, uh social behavior between uh, those family structures is uh, re uh representing more of these pdh2 or uh that that does it matter at all compared to larger social systems like you know country identity and all of that yeah so so that's uh, that that's a very good question uh in the fish uh, the peptide kind of just measures the density of the population uh in in rat it it, it of course could or, or in rodent human uh, it, it could be could could be very different um what is the function of this social grooming between friendly animals uh one possible function is, for example, consolation behavior. And, uh, and it was shown not, not in the rat, but in wolves. Um, 
that uh, uh, Larry Young, uh, for example, um, showed that that consolation behavior uh, takes place between uh, siblings, uh, between mates, uh, if if it's a monogamous uh, bull species, but not um, in uh, in just two you know stranger uh, animals. So it's uh, it's. Uh, it's a possibility in the rat too that 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 family ties has an has an influence on uh, on their behavior and the the role of this pathway somehow is involved in that. But right now there are uh, no data on that. Well, thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. just to comment on that, do, do you look at? Or are you planning to look at epigenetic, like methylation levels, maybe differences? You know, it's a really interesting question. And transgenerational uh, inheritance, yes. maybe. In, in, indeed, uh, the transgenerational inheritance uh, is is one one thing why epigenetics is interesting here. Uh, actually, also when when mothers are investigated, whether the first pregnancy and second and third pregnancy, there might be differences between them how they take care of the pups, and that could also be epigenetics. Um, clearly, uh, uh, social interactions to uh, or or even you know neglected uh, a child when grows up, it it could be epigenetics involved. So that's a very uh, exciting. Uh, uh, story, but 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 we are not uh, investigating um, uh, epigenetics uh, uh, right now. Yeah, I I have uh, one additional question. There. It what for you know neuroscience? Uh, what's the difference in 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 the challenges when you research animals and and. Um, uh, compared to humans, and I'm not talking about you know the availability of that. I I mean if let's just assume you would have that available. I'm I'm interested into the difference in in the challenges. Uh, well, uh, working with uh, uh, with with human because my background is not not a medical doctor. I really. Um, um, so well, it's uh, so working in human in that sense more responsibility. Although in animals you have to keep all the all the ethical rules and and work. Uh, uh, you really have to be certain what can be done and what cannot be done in, in animals. But still, because invasive approaches are possible, like all these chemogenetics approaches, uh, certainly, certainly th this is not possible in human. Uh, many of the psychological aspects, on the other hand, uh, can be better uh, examined uh, in, in human. Uh, when we compare the two species, uh, I would say the social behavior of human is uh, well, still dominated by the cerebral cortex uh, processes because of the, of the growth uh, of that area. Uh, and, and, and there could be, you know, many other processes in social behavior such as mentalization empathy and so on which 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 build up but 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 I still believe that this pathway which is uh, plays an important role in rodents uh, is still there uh, in in human and it it still uh, has a role and 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 affects behavior despite the 
the huge development of, of and, and the dominance of the cerebral cortex in in defining um, um, several aspects of, of social behavior. Some instinctive behaviors are still uh, there, um, and and this pathway could be involved in human too. Okay, um, I have a question. This is Joyce. Um, it's all very, very interesting. And um, I was just wondering if, um, you know, there's a lot of research on the relationship of autism to the microbiome and to diet and so on. And uh, if I'm wondering if you see any connection in um, with your research and this train of research. Anyway, thanks. Uh, well, it, it could very well be connection in the future, but, but right now, uh, uh, you know, the microbiome of these experimental animals was like not controlled. Um, and, uh, and, uh, that, that does not make it possible to, to make a connection. So I, um, I say it, it should be investigated in the future, but right now, uh, there is, there is no data here. Okay, thank you. Um, also, um, you know, the parathyroid hormone is very involved in things like calcium metabolism. I don't know, I missed some of the talk. Did, does your work have any relationship to that? Yes, uh, that, yeah, that's indeed a, a basic uh, question. Uh, so parathyroid hormone uh, and parathyroid hormone related peptide uh, they are um, acting on the parathyroid hormone one receptor, um, and 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 they are not uh, acting on the parathyroid hormone two receptor. And this peptide, the parathyroid hormone two, uh, it does act only on the parathyroid hormone two receptor and not at all on the parathyroid hormone one receptor. When we looked at the expression of the PTH two peptide. Uh, uh, it, it is found in, in, in very low level in, in a few uh, organs, um, uh, uh, such as the kidney, but, but not, not in bones. It, it's really abundant uh, in the brain. Actually, only three sites within the brain. One of them is the pill I was speaking about and two other similarly restricted brain area. Uh, and uh, as far as we know, PTH, the famous hormone, of course, in calcium metabolism, it does not play any role in brain function. So its, uh, it's receptor is not there, the peptide is not there. So in the brain, uh, PTH2 is, and uh, in, in, the, in the calcium metabolism, well, we did lots of studies whether PTH2 itself can be a hormone or not. But right now there is no evidence it would be a hormone. There is no evidence it's it's present in the blood. Uh, and also there is no evidence that it has any effect on calcium uh, metabolism. Okay, thank you. Hi, LT, please go ahead. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. I really enjoyed this talk. Question, uh, when you mentioned that PTH2 has no, no um, uh, what you call that function right now, right? But the PTH2, I remember I'm looking at your slides also following your talk. You said it's only making one message. Is that what you're saying? So there's no other form of a PTH2? Uh, How similar? Yeah, yes. 
Yes, mm -hmm. Alzheimer's right. is PTH to PTH two. That's my question. Thank you. Mm. So, if, if I understood correctly, um, you ask about other peptides mm -hmm. similar yes. uh, to yes. to PTH two, right. uh, and uh, uh, many of the genes which encode neuropeptides, they often encode more than one neuropeptide. Uh, and uh, they are, you know, translational um, uh, cleavage leads then to the to the to the appearance of actual neuropeptides. Uh, we found no evidence um, at all that that the gene of encoding PTH two would in would in uh, encode any other uh, neuropeptide. So it it seems like uh, it, it's it's a kind of exception among uh, neuropeptides. That one gene uh, encodes only uh, only one uh, peptide, and this this peptide is not encoded by other genes. Sometimes related uh, peptides are encoded by other genes too, but in in this case, that's in that sense, it's a pure system molecular biologically, and also pharmacologically, it's it's a simple uh, system one uh, one peptide uh, one one receptor. Um, so uh, it's 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 uh, there is actually very little amino acid or, or maybe no not at all I would say there is no sequence similarity between PTH and PTH two they have the same name because there is sequence similarity between the receptors PTH one receptor and PTH two receptor has like an almost fifty percent sequence similarity. But the peptides, they do not have sequence similarities at all. Uh, their three-dimensional three structure resembles each other to some degree. Uh, but, but still, uh, PTA, there is no other peptide to which PTH2 would be more similar than PTH1. Uh, so essentially, there is no uh, uh, similar uh, peptide. Okay, so you know you are you already hedging ahead of my next question. So because if the receptor is very similar and then structure wise they are similar, so is it possible then that they could be mistaken? Could that be used? You know, like this uh, oh, hold on just a second. Um, that you would target the you would bind it to the wrong receptor. Thank you very much. Have you seen yeah. evidence of that? Um, uh, so I, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't understand sorry, your question. Uh, hold on. Can you hear me all right? So, yes, I can okay, hear you. Okay, because the naming is PTH and PTH2 because their receptors are yes. similar. Okay, yes. so in this line of thinking, I'm asking, have you seen evidence of PTH2 bound to the receptor specifically known up to now? for PTH? That's my uh, next question. Ah, thank you. Is so, it clear so now? Yes, yeah, so yeah. whether PTH and PTH2 uh, bind uh, to, 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 the, to the receptors uh, mutually? Yes. That's what you asked? Yes. So, so, you know, so actually PTH2 was, was, was a new, it's a new name. When, when we named it, we called it tuberoinfundibular peptide based on its presence in the hypothalamus. But 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 this database is kind of forced out uh, the name PTH two, which 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 now makes it very similar to PTH one, uh, the, the the actual hormone. 
Um, so it, it, there was there were detailed pharmacological investigations, um, including not only these two peptides, but their rat version, mouse version. Actually, mouse and rat are exactly the same um, amino acid sequence, but the human PTH2 differs in four amino acids, four out of 39. So it's, it's actually kind of relatively a big difference. Also, the bovine, the bovine uh, PTH2 is exactly the same as the human. Uh, so there are many possibilities for pharmacological uh, investigations, whether whether like the mouse uh, peptide binds to the human receptor and vice versa. Uh, but still, generally speaking, uh, I would uh, it's it, it's always established that PTH2 does not bind at all to any species of PTH2. Does not bind to the PTH1 receptor of any species. Okay, um, so it's clear. It's absolutely in that so sense. Okay. It's, it's clear. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, because I think Catherine asked a similar question about the immune I mean, immune response. You know, if the receptor is binding, that my head is exploding. <laughs> how, how would the, okay. And what about the localization? Would that make them kind of more accessible? And then when you have say four mutations are different. That means that, I mean, I'm sure people at your lab or other labs probably doing the knock in, knock out. So there might be ways of using culture you know, neurons or, oh, hold on, I, I'll stop asking questions. Thank you. Yeah, yeah so uh, uh, indeed, uh, uh, PTH2, uh, PTH2 neuropeptide and receptor knockout animals uh, um, uh, are being developed and and they are they are recently available and uh, we we actually investigating them uh, as far as uh, social behavior uh, it's it's certainly many well all those people who have access uh, to it it's 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 certainly an interesting uh, next um, uh, next uh, you know experimental plan uh, for us yes okay thank you so everybody upstairs downstairs i will move myself down thank you thank you yeah uh, thank you so much for um for answering all these questions i don't know if anyone has a last question maybe um uh, because we've been going over an hour or so um, probably um, Arpad needs to go back to his work and life. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> well, uh, it was really my pleasure. I'm happy about the uh, numerous questions. Yeah, thank you. And um, I really appreciate you spending the time here. I think it's a, such interesting work and it opens up so many more uh, questions and um, projects <laughs> to be answered uh, which is always the most interesting type of project so uh, it's it's really wonderful work and yeah i'm curious to follow your research along in the future uh, to see what you know what if some of these um, questions you know how the answers will look like so um, it will be really interesting yeah to... exciting thank you very much yeah and yeah if there is maybe news updates uh feel always invited to come back and 
and we will be always curious to learn about um, what is going on in your lab, basically. So, um, yeah, thank you for this. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation and for all, all the uh, people who showed up. The, I appreciate all the questions as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Yeah, and uh, thanks, everyone, for coming, asking questions, and um, being here. If you like discussions like this, we will have, actually, this week, um, a few more um, uh, guest speakers coming. Tomorrow we'll have Dr. Bogosian, uh, who is making bioelectricity in living, so he makes living photovoltaics. And um, in the afternoon, Dr. Liu and his colleague will be coming from the British Museum talking about ancient Chinese mythology, how it was way more complex than we thought the composition of uh, creating metals. I think it was really interesting. And then on Saturday, we'll have uh, Dr. Wu coming, talking about um, new uh, wireless optogenetics and photopharmacology uh, technology development. So um, yeah. Um, Follow the club if you like discussions like this. And again, Arpad, uh, thank you so much. This was a great honor to have you here. And this research is so interesting and uh, I, I think also very important for the future. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, I'll close the room in three, two, one. Bye, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>